Wednesday night, November 4th, 2020. Week 9 preview of the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. Tonight, we're all getting a report card. I suppose, to be more accurate, we're giving the report card rather than getting. That's right, you're, you're the principal. But I digress. I am Jason Evans, joined as always by David Biggs. Dave, it's a pleasure to be on yet another podcast with you. And joining us tonight is a team member of Drink 5, Jessica Robertson. Thank you, Jess, for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. All right. Cheers, Jess. You missed out on that cheers. <laughs> You're the conduit for the cheers. Mm. What is it that we're drinking here? So, I don't know what Dave's drinking, but Jason and I are drinking, uh, it's called the, what's this, Skellington? It's a... Yeah, uh, what is this? It's seasonal. Um, it's a Halloween brew. Good, they shouldn't Scorch make it all year Earth long. in Algonquin. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a blackberry and raspberry double IPA. Okay. Uh, it's Jason's first uh, sampling of it. It, it sounds it is like a he little, doesn't like it to me. It's a little intense. <laughs> Look, I only first. had one sip. I'll give it another try. Yeah, it's an 8.7% alcohol. Perhaps it surprised me. Beer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll also be sampling some other uh, Scorched Earth beer tonight. And uh, whatever Dave has over here, I think it's a... Currently just drinking an all-day IPA. All-day IPA. Which is always good on every occasion. And At any time of day. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll, uh, we have a lot of meat and potatoes to get to today. All right. So tonight, like I said, we're going to talk about week nine. We are going to give a little bit of a report card. So what we've done is we've taken a look at the top ten, the currently ranked top ten running backs and wide receivers. Um, and then we're going to take a look at where we drafted them and sort of uh, figure out how they got there, right? How these guys made it to the top 10 and relate it back to where they were actually drafted so that you can kind of uh, pick out a little bit of, um, I guess, not, not necessarily value, but like some insight as to, um, you know, where, where these uh, people landed. So we're going to go over the running backs first. We'll look at the top 10 wide receivers later in the show. Uh, what we are doing is half point uh, PPR scoring. And it's ADP, I said half point PPR, of course, like an ATM machine. Um, but we're going to look at the ADP data collected by Fantasy Pros. I think it's an aggregate of two different websites when it comes to the half point PPR. Um, so what stands out to me at the list of running backs is that the first three or four guys, I think it's first four guys, are all high draft picks as well. So it's very top-heavy at running back. I think that we find that that happens every year, right, Dave? When we've done this in the past, we find that the uh, top end, the, that the best running backs each year are top draft picks. Not necessarily that the top draft picks are always the best, but when they, you know, the top performers are always top draft picks. We've had a lot of discussion about this, and we've gone into a lot of these kind of mid-season, late-season, early-season report cards on players. And generally, like Jason said, uh, we we would look at where they were drafted and how they're doing now. We're doing the opposite today. But uh, to your point, the the guys that you draft uh, at running back high up, you're drafting them for a reason because they get consistent touches. And more than anybody else, any other position, 
uh, that's super important. And obviously there's going to be a lot of injuries to that position, but those people who don't get injured midway through the season, who get all the touches consistently, will always be uh, the top players for your fantasy team. Yeah, most of the missing players in the top that were drafted in the top 10 all have injury troubles. Um, so aside from one real true surprise, which was James Robinson, all the players were drafted in the first seven rounds. Uh, makes me think that a zero RB strategy was not going to help you out this year. Well, seven rounds is, is, is a bit. So you're saying uh, if you were to do zero running back, you wouldn't get any top ten guys if you're not drafting running backs until the eighth round. But, like, you could do, let's say, uh, not a zero, but maybe some kind of uh, associated decimal or fraction where <laughs> you're not drafting guys in the top three rounds, but maybe you're drafting running backs in the fourth and fifth rounds or something. You could still hit on some of these guys then. Yeah. This year. Yep. Um, okay, so Alvin Kamara is the number one overall running back right now. He is. Uh, he was drafted as the RB4, fifth overall. Uh, right now he's averaging 24 points per game. I don't know that we need to say a whole lot about Kamara. He's been a top-notch running back ever since his rookie year. He is great in this Saints offense. They have basically designed it around him, around Drew Brees and you know Michael Thomas to a certain extent as well. I know Jess has a Camara on one of her fantasy teams, right? So I always hear about it whenever he scores a touchdown. <laughs> I, I'm not blessed with an appearance of Albin on, on one of mine yet. He was definitely one of my first-round picks. Yeah, I don't have him either, so well done on that one, Chess. And at this point, you, it's not like you're trading for someone like Albin. It's actually an impossibility to trade for that I guy. don't think anyone would be willing to get rid of him unless like they were giving you a king's ransom. That's right. So he's leading the league in yards from scrimmage. He is firmly in the top tier of running backs, like tier number one, along with Dalvin Cook. Uh, and because of no Michael Thomas this year, Alvin Kamara is on pace for 125 receptions. It's going to smash the record for receptions for running backs in a single season. Last year we saw Christian McCaffrey, who I think was on your team last year. Yeah. Just just drafts all the well, good running backs. I wasn't as fortunate to get him this year, but as we now have learned, perhaps it was probably for the best. Fortunate to not get him this year. <laughs> okay. I'm going to need a different beer. Oh, no. <laughs> I apologize to the good folks at Scorched Earth. I like many of your beers. However, that one is just not cooperating with my palate right now. So I'm going to give this one a try. It's called Viserion. It's a sour double India Pale Ale. And uh, I have had this one before, and I know that I'm going to enjoy it. You know, we both dig the other beer, but it's more, it's, it definitely has a touch of sort of fruit puree to it as opposed to beer. Um, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's like it's a like milkshake a fruit almost. Puree. Anyway. Mm-hmm. One of Jess's favorites, but you know you have a whole thirty-two ounce there that you can dive into now. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'll, I'll share some with you. So last year, I think Camara or not Camara, but um, McCaffrey had somewhere in the neighborhood of one hundred and fifteen catches, which broke the record by about ten catches. Camara is on pace to break the record by another ten catches. So that's a very impressive number. I don't think he gets to that if Michael Thomas comes back this year. But um, you know, every week it seems like Michael Thomas is. Return date just keeps getting pushed farther and farther back. So um, if you've got Alvin Kamara, good for you. It's all systems go for the rest of the year on Alvin Kamara. Uh, hopefully he can lead you to the promised land because he is uh, not doing me any good not being on my team. He, he's a bad opponent to have every week. So Delvin Cook is number two. His ADP was as the RB6. He was number seven overall. He's averaging 25.8 points per game, mostly due to the monster performance he had last week when he put up 47.6 points against 
the Green Bay Packers. And I um, waxed poetical a bit about Dalvin Cook in my column, the statistically insignificant for Week 8. I kind of broke down what he did uh, and how crazy his points uh, have been this year. He had 32 touches, 226 yards, four touchdowns. It was just an insane game from him. He basically single-handedly beat the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but really he was just playing against Devontae Adams because there was seven touchdowns in that game, four of them from Dalvin Cook and three of them from Devontae Adams. No one else scored touchdowns in that game. (laughs) Uh, So uh, as for Cook, he has only played six games this season, which makes his second place uh, ranking at this point of the year all that more impressive. His worst game this year is 16.1 points. He has the best floor of any running back this year. Uh, he found the end zone in every single game, and he is one of three players on this list who's averaging over one point per touch. Um, now, uh, Jess, I'm sure that you've heard this before. Uh, do you know where we're coming from when we talk about one points per touch? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Um, because, you know, we're talking running backs here. Yeah, so what we like to look at is the volume of that player gets uh, versus the points they're going to be able to score. We've found in years past when we sort of do an analytical approach to the rankings that points per touch is almost one of the best indicators of a player being really spectacular. And anything above 1.0 for a running back is phenomenal. So, for example, I have uh, Latavius Murray Okay. on both of my leagues, okay. both my teams. And I'm like, you know, I just don't know. Like, I feel like he's dead weight. I feel like I need to just finally drop him. Like, I was looking at his stats from last week, and they said that he, you know, had 11 touches, but he only had, like, six points. Right. I'm like, man. That's a terrible And I haven't average. started him once. He's not producing very well. He's not very efficient. Yeah. I, I currently, with the current starters that I have, I don't need him, but I feel like the moment that I drop him something's going to change. So he's mean, a, isn't that always the fear? Yeah, he's a good <laughs> handcuff for Alvin Kamara because if Kamara is to go out, Murray will get almost all the work in that backfield. Uh, and, and I don't always advocate for having a handcuff, but when you have the very best players and it's clear that their handcuff will basically just take their place, it's not a bad uh, backup plan. Yeah, if you look at uh, the rankings at drink5.com, which, which I do... Uh, the uh, Latavius Murray is ranked at number 40 in half PPR for week nine. So, uh, so a guy that's ranked number 40 is not going to be in your starting lineup unless you're having serious bye week problems or all your guys are injured, uh, etc. Yeah. So, uh, I he... believe I have him in one of my lineups this week. Well, oh, there you no. go. Yeah, you... it's Hopefully not, it's not in not drink fun. five where you're playing against me again. If you find yourself with Murray... <laughs> oh, we're matched up again already? If you find yourself with Murray and your guys... Are still healthy. No, I play your arch nemesis in that league. You've got a serious problem. Scott? I play. Oh, no, that is you. Shout out to Yours Scott, the only Justin person Tucker. to beat me in uh, Drink 5 so far. Jessica hey, drafted Scott. Justin Tucker as the centerpiece of her first place team. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Murray's not going to be a guy that you want on your team at all unless it is only as a, a handcuff or, like Jason was saying, you're in week eight or nine and you just can't start anybody else because everyone is injured or on by. So, Correct. Uh, after this couple of weeks, which generally is the hardest in the fantasy season because uh, the most teams are on by, etc. Um, it's it's not uh, it's not someone that you should own 
arguably, I would say, in a 10-team league, even if you have Elvin Kamara, because the odds that you'll use him for enough time to actually be worth the replacement value are not high. I agree with that. And that's why, as I said, we generally don't advocate for uh, handcuffs. It's just a waste of a bench spot for the most part. Right. So do you guys have Delvin Cook on any of your teams? Did you manage to snag that that one? I do not this season, no. That was still a first-round pick. You would have needed to draft in that um, sort of annoying like late middle of the draft. Not at the end of the round where you get the nice wraparound pick, but in the late middle, mm. which I hate being in. I, I feel like I'm there every year, and I feel like I wouldn't have drafted Delvin Cook this year because yeah. I don't like the Vikings. Yeah. But there you go. Delvin yeah. Cook, number two overall uh, <laughs> in, in, in a commanding spot to try and take number one uh, by the end of the year. So three on our list is Derrick Henry. His ADP was RB5, the six overall. He is averaging 19.8 points per game. So he's leading off the second tier of running backs. El Tractorcito, as I'm trying to get everyone to say, uh, which is his nickname. He is leading the league in rushing yards and carries this year. He led the league in both categories last year. And he's on track to have a higher total in both of those categories over 16 games this season. So his low touches on the season were 18. We always like to talk about get your running backs that can touch the ball as much as possible. And that's one of the reasons why Derrick Henry is drafted so high, aside from the fact that he um, injures people when they try to tackle him. (laughs) I do have one of him. So in the other league where I don't have Kamara, Derrick Henry. So you went with a top running back in the first round of each draft. I did. That's good strategy. Certainly in a year like this when – you know, it looked like that was the right thing to do. I think people have sort of gotten away from drafting quarterbacks in the first round, and that's smart. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where you got to go. you got to go with a running back, and you got to get lucky enough to have a running back that is going to still be there nine weeks into the season, right? So every other game that Henry has played, he's in the 20s as far as touches go. Uh, he's on an offense where Ryan Tannehill is playing well. That helps a lot because then they can't just stack the box against Derrick Henry. I don't see these numbers, and I'm talking speculating way into the future now. I don't see him slowing down for at least a couple of years. I expect him to be a high draft pick again next year, despite the fact that he's probably going to lead the league in uh, rushes once again. There you go. So uh, are you going to feel comfortable drafting him high if it's available to you, Dave? I still have issues with Tennessee in general. I don't think they're going to be a consistent offense over a long period of time. However, I do agree with what you're saying about Derrick Henry. I think at least he will be a consistent running back for as long as he's healthy. Okay, and um, just for all of you who are listening to us live, make sure that uh, you subscribe to us on YouTube. And there is a chat room. You can ask us questions. If you've got some lineup questions, if you're just curious about a certain player, what our opinion is on them. Please make sure you uh, spot that out in the chat. We'll do our best to keep an eye on it. And shout out to everybody. And we'll say hi to you, uh, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Next guy on the list is Ezekiel Elliott. He was the RB3 and the number three overall pick as well. He's averaging 15.1 points a game. Um, He was turning right along when Dak Prescott was healthy. He had at least a touchdown or 100 yards in each of those games. However, in the last three games, Ezekiel Elliott has fallen off the cliff and I would argue that he should not be started at this point so I wouldn't recommend starting him until the Cowboys have figured out what they're going to do at quarterback they've already talked about um, 
benching Ben Giuseppe Danucci. And uh, who's the starter going to be this week? Do they? Is it an open competition still, Dave? I forget. They have another character. I don't know his name. I, I don't really consider it worthwhile to uh, to to use any of my uh, brain power on the third and fourth string quarterbacks for the Cowboys. But there is. Wouldn't they be the fourth and fifth string quarterbacks at this point? Uh, I thought it was uh, Ben DiNucci who's the third string, and then whoever they're going to bring. Right. In so they're not playing Ben DiNucci. They've already announced that they're not going to play him. Which would be the fourth string guy. So now we've got fourth string, which would be Garrett Gilbert, or fifth string Cooper Rush. Well, have at it. But yeah, oh I'm, boy, uh, obviously Cooper it's, Rush number zero zero. It's not. Uh, it's not too, number zero in your hearts as well. Yeah. Um, did, I feel like Cooper Rush played in like the AFL or something like that. I don't know. Anyways, as far as Ezekiel Elliott goes. He has only scored 21.4 points in the last three weeks total compared to a 23-point perform- performance in Week 5. He has not reached 100 rushing yards all season. Um, Zeke is trending in the wrong direction. I predict he does not finish in the top 10 for the season. I don't think you should be starting him this week, next week, um, the week after. Uh, it's a shame because Zeke Elliott is one of the premier talents at running back in this league, but he is just... Uh, on a terrible stretch right now. Like I, think you're, I think you're. I think you're 100 right. But, yeah. you, but you also have to understand that uh, if if you were to drop him, uh, etc., someone would pick him up, and then in about three or four games, he would start getting back to his normal self. It never fails. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. But so so yeah. Uh, who does he play this week, Dave? Uh, well, they're not doing anything against Pittsburgh. That's right. That's true. <laughs> and then he's got a bye week. Him. So you're not getting anywhere with. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott over the next two weeks at the very least. Yeah, and the Cowboys are not trying to injure one of their star players uh, to try to win a couple games in a lost season. So uh, I, I could see any sort of small injury, they shut him down for the year. Yeah, sure, sure. So that's sort of the lone uh, dim spot, in my mind, uh, among these top ten running backs this year. Um, the rest of the guys are kind of up and down. Um, we'll get to a couple of them, but I would say that Ezekiel Elliott, huge disappointment after a reasonably decent start. So number five on our list is the one real big surprise on this list. James Robinson, a guy who we did not mention in any of the pregame stuff. I don't think his name came up in any of the drafts I was attending. Uh, He had an ADP as a running back of 62. So he was a 62nd running back off the board, 198 overall. So unless you're in... A deep league or a 16-team league or something like that, he was not taken in your draft. Because you know who was the running back there before he was traded after the drafts. Uh, right, because Leonard Fournette was the guy there. Right. And I actually drafted Leonard Fournette when he was still on the Jaguars in one of my leagues. A better time to draft him uh, in those better days long ago. The long ago time. Distant memories of yes. good times, Jaguars past. Back in the summer. <laughs> so overall, James Robinson, that's right, has... 17.2 points. He went um, undrafted, as I said. And really, he's what he's doing is excelling in PPR formats. He is the guy who we saw at the beginning of the season is carrying the load almost exclusively for the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. He was the only, I believe this was the stat after week one, the only running back to handle 100% of his, uh, of his team's touches at that position. So that was very promising, and he exploded after that. He really has done well. He's got kind of a low floor, but he's an every-week starter. He has a good but not perfect schedule coming up. 
I think that they also play the Steelers soon. So they play Houston. Uh, they're on by this. No, they're on by last week. They play Houston this week. And uh, then Green Bay and then Pittsburgh. Bag. Green Bay is terrible against the run. We just saw Delvin Cook absolutely destroy them. And then they play Pittsburgh, who is quite good against the run. Then they play Cleveland, who just had just uh, Josh Jacobs run all over them. So uh, I like a lot of these matchups coming up for James Robinson. But like I said, he's an every-week starter. All he needs to do is catch five balls, get 15 carries. He'll find the end zone. He's still going to be worth starting even against a team like Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I have him in my starting lineup this week. Your teams are very good, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> it's why it's why you're you're here with us because I, you need to teach us something about <laughs> playing fantasy. I would still be very hesitant about playing anybody against Pittsburgh because some of the teams that are the guys that played uh, them. That, the only that's reason three weeks from now, though, that's the only <laughs> reason why they got any fantasy points at all were were from uh, touchdowns. Uh, like for example, Miles Sanders had a horrible game, but he happened to get a couple goal line touchdowns. I believe well, he had like an eighty yard touchdown. Again, that's that's not like a, a play that you that's can bank certainly on. Certainly an anomaly. I will grant you that 100%. Yeah, no, I, w- I would definitely say he's a start for this week and likely next week, um, depending on, you know, what my bye weeks look like and the rest of my <laughs> team. But uh, against Pittsburgh, probably well, brush, possibly not starting. Brush your shoulders well, off. Well, here's there. the thing. Last <laughs> week, the, um, the Ravens did wind up with an absurd amount of rushing yards. Well, that's what they do. And they kind of, like, took that down. Well, J.K. Dobbins had 113 yards. Gus Edwards had 87 yards. I don't know offhand what Lamar Jackson had, but I think it was over 50. I mean, I I have to say that the reason that's the case is like Michael Vick teams, you know, whenever we used to play them or any team, if you have a rushing threat quarterback, then obviously the the running backs can get open. But I don't want to dig too deep into this. Point is, you're going to play James Robinson, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully for you, he gets a touchdown or something. Because according to the Steelers' rush defense this year in general, uh, no running backs are getting a, a large amount of yards per carry on average. Right. So I guess my my sentiment here is: don't hesitate to keep rolling with Robinson, although he might make good trade bait. I think. Would you? Uh, is this sort of the level where you'd be willing to part with guys? If you had the right offer, I realize like the top three you don't want to get rid of, and Zeke Elliott you'd be selling low, so that's a, kind of a bad idea. Hey man, everybody's open for trade, right? That's uh, true. The, with the right offer, uh, anyone can be taken off uh, your hands. <laughs> yeah, for better or worse, I suppose that's the that's the case. Yeah. Um. So we've got next on our list is Todd Gurley. ADP of 15, 31 overall, 14.4 points per game. This is not the Todd Gurley of 2017 and 2018. However, he's still great. I mean, he's the number six running back overall this year. I was kind of surprised to see him so far up the list. He has played eight full games, which means that he's kind of, uh, you know, artificially inflated the number a little bit there because he hasn't had his bye week yet. So none of the players that we've mentioned so far have played eight full games. They've all had their bye week already. Uh, Gurley is the beneficiary of a kind of hot and cold offense, uh, and he's the only real option in the running game there. So when they're on the goal line, the Falcons are going to give it to him all the time. He's sort of vulturing touchdowns from everyone on the team. We know that uh, Julio Jones is not a guy with a nose for the end zone. Over the last few years, we've just sort of seen that over and over again. So as long as Todd Gurley continues to vulture touchdowns from the rest of his team, he's going to be a top 10 play. Did you guys wind up with Todd Gurley on any of your teams? Did not. I do. And I surprise myself by starting him every week, and it works out almost every week. 
Well, he's the number six overall right I know. It's like I, I have no business uh, doing well with Todd Gurley in my starting lineup, but it's working out for me. Very so good. I guess I shouldn't complain too much, now should I? <laughs> he does have uh, a little bit better of a floor than a guy like James Robinson, uh, where his worst game was six points, and most of his games are double digits. In fact, he's scoring touchdowns in all but two games this year. And he's got, I think, eight on the season. Two, four, six, eight. Well done, Mr. Todd Gurley. Hmm. Number seven on our list is Kareem Hunt. And by the way, can we maybe make a little bit of this happen? I need to uh, <laughs> I need to reset my palate, if you will. Just a little, quick little break. If you're at home or wherever listening, grab yourself a quick little adult beverage. I think that it's the right time for that. And if you've never experienced the glory of a peanut butter whiskey, I highly recommend Screwball. There you go. Uh, you can find this at any local liquor store, mostly any local liquor store. It's a classy uh, peanut butter whiskey. Yeah, if you're in an area that has a Costco, <laughs> also available at Costco. You mean America? <laughs> <laughs> so number seven on our list is Kareem Hunt. His ADP is 29 as an arm running back, and he was drafted 68 overall. So that's a late seventh-round pick. Overall, he's got 14.4 uh, points per game. He did not see a lot of regular usage until week five in that he wasn't the featured back. Um, but what's interesting is that his most productive games came before that when Dick Chubb was playing still. So Kareem Hunt, still worth starting, but he's almost better off when it's the two of them and they're able to have like a sort of two-headed monster attack. That's what Cleveland does best, and I think that they really do need Nick Chubb back with uh, Odell Beckham not being around right now. Which should happen in Week 10, according to uh, what we've, we've been seeing. Yes, so the Cleveland Browns are on bye this week. Uh, no starting Kareem Hunt this week. and um, You could try. The schedule is going to get easier as well. They play Houston, Philly, Jacksonville, Tennessee, all totally beatable off uh, defenses. So I, I like where how the Browns have themselves set up. Um, they might even make the playoffs with a schedule like that. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Number eight on our list, Aaron Jones. His ADP was 12 this year. He was uh, selected 22 overall. They'd be an early third-round pick. 21.2 points per game, so uh, he's one of the few guys on this list that was out for injury for a couple of games and still made the list. His ceiling is as high as anyone this year. He has a game where he scored 43 points. That was week two against Detroit. He had 236 yards and three touchdowns. Hell of a game by our guy Aaron Jones. The Packers offense can be a juggernaut. They have sputtered a bit lately. I think part of that is because Jones hasn't been there. There just isn't a player on the team that can sort of replace him. So he's averaging 5.6 targets per game and 15 carries per game. That's that elite group of running backs where he's getting at least 20 touches per game. Um, That is not happening across the board for most of these guys, aside from a Kamara or a Cook. Mm -hmm. Even Kamara's not getting that many touches per game because he gets a lot of his work in the receiving game. So if Aaron Jones had played all season, he'd be up in the top three uh, with... Cook and Camara. Once he returns to the lineup, start him with Gusto. Enjoy the fact that Aaron Jones has returned to your team. This week, the Packers play on Thursday night. That's just tomorrow. I don't think that Aaron Jones practiced today, so he probably will not play tomorrow against the 49ers, but I think that you can be reasonably assured that he will return 
for Week 10 because of uh, the Packers' running back room got hit with some COVID issues this week. Most of them, because of close contact, have to have several negative tests, which cannot uh, be completed before the game on Thursday. So they're going to be going with some practice squad guys, I believe, this week, which means that they're really going to be itching to get Aaron Jones back on the field for Week 10. Yeah, maybe so, but I think we we talked about this earlier. We might we might see them pushing that game back or something in order to get some of those guys on the field. But that all really depends on the NFL, and a lot of times now in these situations, they're trying to just push forward in order to keep the schedule uh, on task, which yeah. they've done a surprisingly good job of. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they're just going to be without those players. So yeah, my moment of wild speculation is that since it's a Thursday night game. Um, much like we saw the Chiefs and Bills game get delayed and put on an early Monday slot, what you're going to do is probably, possibly, because also today the 49ers, the other team playing on Thursday night, had some COVID uh, tests uh, come back positive today. Um, So this is all very new. This is all very wild speculation, but I think that they may get an island game uh, early on Monday again. Or... I don't think they're allowed to play on Saturday yet. I think it's too early in the season still for that. So um, a Monday or even a Tuesday game uh, like we saw with the Tennessee-Buffalo game earlier uh, in October. So Mm -hmm. to your point, uh, Aaron Jones is currently solicited as questionable, at least on Fantasy Pros. So he will have a much better chance of starting if that Thursday game happens to be postponed and pushed back. You know, all the beat beat reporters for the the Packers and a lot of those – fantasy football pundits out there which people know about like Ian Rappaport and uh, Adam Schefter have all expressed their uh, their extreme doubt that Jones would play this week if they played on Thursday. Yes. Yeah, he's not going to play tomorrow. You can be reasonably assured of that and you can wait all the way till game time because it's the first game of the week. So you have to worry about it. Anyways, number nine on our list is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You don't pronounce the H, Part of the right? French team? Oh, he's all French team this year. All French rookie team. So he had an ADP as the running back 9, 14 overall, and he's ranked number 9. Good for you. You're grinding out points every week. You're landing exactly where we drafted you for. So the problem with him is that he doesn't have a nickname, so we have to call him Edward Zeller, and there's nothing shorter than that. So let's think of something. I mean, is initials too generic, CEH? CEH is kind of a mouthful. Yeah, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. It certainly doesn't. So his biggest problem is that he can't find the end zone. Maybe he'll do some great end zone celebration. We can nickname him after that. You know, if he can top Naheem Hines' end zone celebration, did you guys catch those? That's never going to happen. Naheem Hines had, he scored a touchdown on like an amazing diving touchdown. Got up, did a handspring into like a spinning flip. Damn. And then he scored another touchdown and did it again. Amazing. That must have been one of those weeks where I uh, had him on my bench. Oh, well, yeah, he had a hell of a game. (laughs) Basically, everybody not named Jonathan Taylor had a great game (laughs) for the Colts. My understanding is that his front flip with a spin and the other moves he did, uh, he had some involvement in in, uh, high school or college with the cheerleading squad, and that's how he learned some of those moves. So cool that he showed him off. Pretty pretty neat uh, twist he had. Oh, great athlete. That, That is not an easy thing to pull off. And you had the confidence to do it while you're, like, in full pads and wearing a helmet. And yeah, that was pretty cool. So anyways. Have to look at those replays. Back to Edward Zolaire. Um, his inability to find the end zone is what I think everyone has run into this year as a reason to not be quite so high on him. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see that he 
was has landed exactly where he was drafted. So um, I, I don't think that there is cause to be down on him. I think that he's playing just fine. Um, he has passed 20 or more carries three times this year. He is still a rookie, so you can't expect too much from him. But, you know, his best game this year was week one. Uh, the vibe around him has been a bit of a disappointment, but it really you got exactly what you paid for. So did you guys wind up with Edwards Lair anywhere? I did not. Uh, sure. I mean, you're talking to me who, who's playing like seven fantasy leagues. Yeah, and, you got a point. Uh, I, I have most of these guys. I do have Alaire in two leagues, I believe. And the only real issue with Alaire is the fact that uh, Le'Veon Bell coming on strong towards the back end of the season, I imagine, in, in my mind, uh, that he's going to take away half of the touches that Clyde is currently getting. Yeah, so he, uh, Clyde definitely saw reduced touches over the last few weeks, but I feel like that was almost more a result of the game script. So eight touches against Denver, but in that game against Denver, uh, it was a bunch of weird stuff going on where um, the Chiefs kept getting really big defensive plays. They had a, didn't they have a special teams touchdown as well? Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't need to do a whole lot on offense in that game. And last week, the Jets' passing attack exploded. And they didn't even run the ball very much at all. So um, he did only have 4.6 points, unfortunately, uh, on nine touches. So not what you want to see from him. Hopefully uh, against teams like Carolina, Las Vegas, Tampa Bay, they focus on the running game a bit more because the running game has been very good for the Chiefs this year. And I think that there is room for both Bell and Laird to be uh, fantasy-relevant players. But uh, there yeah, are a lot it, of mouths to feed on. It Kansas just means City that Chiefs. neither one will be an RB one on that team. That's all. Yeah. So he's drafted at nine. He's landed at nine right now. He may finish outside the top ten. That's pretty reasonable. Uh, you got Josh Jacobs as the tenth guy. Uh, he was his ADP was RB ten. So just like Alaire, right where we you draft him for, he was fifteen overall. He's averaging fourteen point five points per game. He's the second most carries on the season. But what I like to see from Jacobs this year is that. He is way more active in the passing game. Last year, he was in on only 45% of the offensive snaps. Now he's in on 65% of the offensive snaps. Mm -hmm. That's basically a 50% boost. So a guy who can be on the field that much more, uh, it's great. He is a feast or famine type guy. He has games of 33 and 21 and a bunch of games of 7, 8, and 4. So you're not going to want to leave him out of your lineup because of the great things he can do. Uh, The best thing to do, pair him with... Would you rather pair a guy like that with another feast or famine player so that they can even each other out, or would you rather have a high floor player so you're at least getting something? You know, I don't often think of things in that way, like like how people bring up the conversation about would you play the two wide receivers that are on the same team. I, yeah. I don't often think of fantasy in those ways, uh, but if I had to choose or had the ability to choose between things all being equal in a vacuum, then uh, I would always uh want to compare um or or pair someone like that with a with a high uh risk high reward kind of a player so you'd rather have two high risk high reward oh yeah score all the points okay (laughs) so i i think what you were getting at then uh which you left unsaid maybe is that you're just no matter what starting the best players on your team you're not looking at what teams they're on yeah, I don't. You're see, not looking at the pairing of them at all. I fail to see how that factors in, really. Like okay. a lot of people say, 
you know, don't uh, start a quarterback and a kicker in the same team, or don't start the defense and uh, whatever at the same team at the same time. And honestly, I think they're either going to score points or they're not. So if they're not going to score points, then why would you start them to begin with, right? Sure. <laughs> so I think matchups are more important than uh, uh, than which players uh, you're going to play with each other on your squad. You know, the good thing about fantasy football, one of the good things that is, is that uh, there is not a problem with the culture on your team. You don't have to worry about the locker room. Uh, yeah. There's there's not one guy who's messing things up for everybody else. So... Uh, <laughs> So I, I try to uh, I say that on my fantasy squad, uh, our culture is great, and no one ever gets in any arguments. Oh, that's great to hear about your squad. Yeah. <laughs> do they like go out to, for dinners and stuff? They have team building exercises. I do still like the rookies to pay the bill, so we do that. Sure, you got to make them pay. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so a bonus guy I threw in there because he's at the same average as Josh Jacobs is James Conner. His ADP was the 17th running back off the board, 37 overall. So I, I don't remember why James Conner fell so low in the draft. I believe he was a top 10 pick the year before. Um, but if you throw out the week one game where Conner was hobbled by injury and he only had six carries for nine yards, then he's averaging 16.4 points per game. Uh, he's definitely moving up a tier as far as the running backs go. And as long as he's healthy, he's going to get most to all of the running back work on his team. And the next three games he has are great matchups, and he's going to sort of have some momentum going into the fantasy playoffs. So I, I like, you know, what you're going to get from James Conner against Dallas, Cincinnati, and Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, people people say this every single year. Whoever the running back is for the Steelers, they're, uh, they're like, I don't know if he'll do well. I, don't, I mean, someone else is going to mix in. Is he going to be the guy? And every single year, as long as that player is performing and healthy, he is the number one uh, running back at, on that team for the for the remainder of uh, of his stay there, and there's no reason why that would be any different. So uh, the only reason you should have Snell on your team is if you're in a dynasty league. <laughs> that's a good point. Okay, so that's the rundown of the running backs. Make sure you go to our website, and uh, sometime tomorrow we will post uh, all of that information, and as well as like a little chart that we can you can reference to see. Uh, where they all relate to each other. Yeah. Uh, and we'll do the same for the wide receivers that we're going to uh, list here uh, in a few minutes. But first, we're going to take a little uh, respite from those and ask Jess a few questions about setting up her teams. Yeah, are you ready for Q&A, Jess? Sure. A little Q&A. Okay, so Jess... Did we, did we introduce Jessica? Uh, did we give the, the long intro? Why don't, why don't you do that, Dave? Okay. So, uh, so first of all, my lovely fiance, uh, above and above and beyond everything else. But she has been helping with Drink Five for a long time. Currently, is the uh, manager of the Instagram account and has been playing fantasy football for eight plus years, uh, which is no small amount. Uh, it's it's small in perspective when you talk about Jason and I, who are probably more like fifteen uh, plus at this point. Uh, oh but, boy. But uh, eight plus years is still a lot, and I don't want to take anything away from that. In fact, she's in two leagues right now and is in first and second in those leagues. So pretty terrific. I think that it's important. She's going to... down this week, and I'll take first place from her. <laughs> you That's guys fine. are well. You guys are first and second in that league right now. Uh, I think we're we're first and second in our division. This is the drink okay, five in league. Our division, I'm yes. probably right up there too. I imagine full of the so-called <laughs> experts. <laughs> of which we three count ourselves among them. Well, I would hope that us as experts are in like the top three or four positions then. Uh, so I would be. Well, I took you down third last technically. 
So Dave and I are in different divisions. So it's a 10-team league, two divisions. Yeah. Uh, and him and I were both 6-1 and one, uh, in our respective divisions. So are we 1-2-3 in this league then, is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, well, we're 1-2-3. Cheers to that, everyone. Okay, cheers. Right over the laptop. To the, to the best fantasy footballers. We live dangerously currently, out there. Currently in the Drink 5 League. And cheers to everyone else who uh, is a contributor to our uh, site and podcast and articles. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you all. And uh, make sure you go to our website to check out the weekly stuff like Dave's rankings, the rookie report. You can set your confidence pool mm-hmm. from Ted's stuff, uh, Ted's article that he. Ted was on the podcast last week. Uh, you know, I'm going to start titling my article that. I don't know why I don't. I'm just going to call it like Dave's Week 8 Rankings from now on. There you go. I don't need to be formal. This is not a formal audience. Week 9 Rankings. You guys can come on as uh, fans of the site or anyone who consumes the material that we that we provide and uh, talk to us directly, so no need to be formal. So before we dive into questions for Jess, we do have a question from the chat room, which takes precedent. Sorry. I, I get it, yeah. <laughs> so uh, MathQuest wants to know, what do we do with Ezekiel Elliott? We did run this down uh, a few minutes ago, MathQuest. If you want to go back and listen to it, you can hear our full breakdown. What we will tell you is that Ezekiel Elliott is garbage at the moment and that uh, you probably can't cut him and you can't well, you trade can, him you can because... if you want, but if you do, you'll regret it. <laughs> yeah, and if you trade him, you're selling low. So that's it's a no-win situation right now. What you do is you hold on to him and hope that Andy Dalton comes back soon and that he is reasonably... Uh, you know, competent at running the offense. This is called a Kobayashi Maru, which I think I brought up last podcast as well. But there's always one of these uh, uh, these scenarios that I are know this reference now. that are impossible to actually uh, succeed. So the idea is you're in it, you can't win it, but maybe you can get something out of it. So to answer his question from my perspective, and I'll give it to you guys. I think that if you were to trade Ezekiel Elliott for someone right now that is, for example, of no use. Uh, but could be better very shortly. Uh, I would trade him for a guy like uh, like Nick Chubb, who's on IR currently, or a guy like Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who you could argue is trending down a little bit with Le'Veon Bell. Both of those guys are going to do better than him, at least to start. Uh, and then if Ezekiel Elliott does better later, good you know, bully for that guy. But what you need now as a fantasy team are wins to take you to the playoffs. Yes. Um, okay. On to some questions for Jess. So uh, what do you do, like, when you go about setting your waiver picks, uh, setting your lineup, do you have routines? Like, are you every Tuesday at 8 o'clock, are you ready to go? You know, every Sunday morning, or do you set them on Saturday night? What do you like to do? So it is very important to note that waiver night is very important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm noticing in some of the leagues that I'm in, a lot of the people are kind of waiting until next day to make those pickups for whatever reason. Maybe it's a timing thing. Maybe they forget. I don't know. Um, But getting in on that first night uh, gives you the pick of the crop, right? The cream of the crop, whatever's left. So we start there. Um, For us, uh, the leagues that I'm in, it's Tuesday night. So yeah, around 2 a.m. every Tuesday night. (laughs) <laughs> slash uh, Wednesday morning. <laughs> um, so, okay. So I don't intend for this to be like a big pitch for, you know, fantasy pros, but fantasypros.com is the website that I use besides drink five. Um, I use the two of them in tandem and, uh, Dave actually is a, um, you were the top six 
Okay, so uh, I, I mean, we, number six wait. on the preseason rankings for 2019. For the 2019 uh, draft rankings, I was the top out of like 150 or 180 uh, fantasy experts, and that's what you use to draft is generally the Drink Five draft rankings. And I must mention that she's been in the playoffs or, or ranking or making money most of the years that she's been in fantasy. Yeah. So if if that's uh, if that's not a reason to go use them, then uh, I don't know what it is. I will tell you that my very first year ever playing with just the one league, I used the Drink 5 rankings that is offered by Dave and the team on drink5.com exclusively, and I won the league. Here's, Beginner's luck? I don't know. Maybe. Here's my big problem with that. My big <laughs> problem is that, uh, is that that year her and I went to the championship and she beat me with my own rankings. Uh-huh. That's, it's, it's horrible. It just feels bad. I mean, and he had a great game. It was like a, have, a score to... that should have won. Uh, but I had some, I can't even remember who I had those years. Jamal Charles. Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. Look, I, it, <laughs> the ghost of Des Bryant is coming back. I mean, he's, he's going to be around. But, but yeah, I have to say, even though I was beaten, I have to be happy that you were using the rankings to get there. Yeah. Uh, and so I appreciate that. So, so that was year one. Used Drink 5 exclusively, won the league. Haven't won since, but to his point, have, you know, uh, made it to the playoffs almost every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, if not placed in the top three. Come you finished very, in very third close. place in one of the leagues like four years in a row. Yeah, I don't know if uh, our Drink 5 friend and friend, uh, Jim Hutchins, knows that he's my nemesis. But if you didn't know and you're listening, now you know that you're my nemesis um, because he's literally the only one who like beats me out of things consistently. Well, his 1-7 in seven team may be in danger of not doing that this year. He I think so. I, I don't think, think so. he used the rankings this year. He's starting Cam Newton as his quarterback. He is not. Yeah, so so going back to uh, <laughs> Fantasy Pros. So Tuesday nights, the first thing I do is I go to the start-sit assistant, and I take a look at um, my, my, my team, and I see, okay, what bye weeks do I have? What injuries do I have? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't claim to be an expert in all this. I don't have time to be an expert in all this. I need help. I need the tools to get to get the job done. And for me, this is where it's at. So, yeah, look at your team overall to begin with. Uh, like I said, bye weeks, injuries, where are you lacking? Uh, the two, first two positions I always look at are kicker and defense. Defense is uh, a position that I flex every single week. Flex, is that the word? Stream? You stream it. Stream. Yes. Every single week. Uh, you go to um, the cheat sheets to see who is the top available for the week. Um, you know, you can look at overall for the rest of the year. You want to focus on that week. So in this case, it's week nine. Um, who is the top available for week nine? And you try and get that guy, you know, that that team. Sure. Um, try and pick up two or three in the event that, you know, you don't get the one that you're looking for. Now, one thing that I like about your... Um your routine that you've mentioned is that you wait until like 2 a.m. to do this. No, no, I'll tell <laughs> why you why. I'm being, I'm being honest because it's a bad I, habit, will, I, feel like, but... I will occasionally try and get ahead of the game and I will try uh, on Tuesday morning to start looking at this. And I noticed that if I'm using a resource like uh, Fantasy Pros or looking at anybody else's rankings, they're not updated yet on Tuesday morning. So you're waiting a whole day yeah, so that there are there is more data in there. You're going to know more about a whole day's worth of news. You're going to know way more about all that stuff. So uh, you always want to make these decisions as late as you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, Most people don't stay up till 2 a.m. Like, like we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's where I go. I start with um, checking the lineups, where are my weaknesses. Go to the cheat sheets 
Uh, that's my favorite area. Um, uh, when I'm looking at defense kicker, now there's an exception with kickers, as Scott Menneker will know. <laughs> uh, with the exception of Justin Tucker, uh, I will um, pick a different kicker every week. Uh, if Justin is on a bye week, I put him on my bench and I drop someone irrelevant. <laughs> Justin Tucker is the one kicker that I make an exception for. Just a little fun fact there. Um, so yeah, uh, when you go to cheat sheets and search, you know, filter on your, you know, available pickups for that week, uh, it will show you where your guys rank versus who's available in the league. And you just kind of, you know, have to pick and choose. You know, I, I don't always pick up new players. Um, if my team's looking good, they're looking healthy, uh, my bench isn't doing too bad, I might not always pick someone up. But there are those times where, you know, there's been an injury, whatever has happened. Um, and so that data is very valuable to me. All right, so uh, you are in first and second place in your two leagues, including our Drink 5 Experts League. Do you attribute the success more to the draft or more to your in-season sort of habits, or would you say it's like a com it's equal? It's definitely a combination of both. Having a good draft is good. Ooh, what do you think I can is tell you what important? it is. Because with fantasy football, as we all know, there's a lot of luck involved. Absolutely. Some of that, there's there's got to be skill. You know, you got to pay attention to your team, do the work, do the research, but there's luck, 100%. I have been, knock on wood, lucky enough to not have any major injuries this year. The ones that I have had um, are kind of minor injuries or they're not my number one starter of the week. I'll make sure to bet on a few of your players this week so that, yeah. uh, you know, that, <laughs> that'll quickly go the other way That for is you. one thing that I have found is that if you have your first round pick injured early in the year and it's season ending you're pretty much done i mean not really you can come back from it but you're gonna have a bad time yeah yep so which what do you think is more important the draft or the in-season moves that's a tough one you know i want to say the in-season moves but at the same time if if you did something silly like you weren't available for the draft and you didn't have someone to draft for you and you auto drafted like yeah. i don't know anyone in any of our leagues that does that but i know that it happens so if you allowed your team to auto draft then yeah no you can pretty much say goodbye to your season but other than that i feel like you really need to maintain throughout the season it, it, it really is that week by week okay well um, good luck in all of your leagues except for drink five this week and uh, <laughs> i will take you down and that's that we I defeated Dave see. last week. I should defeat you this week. All right, all right. Congratulations, third place, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're all doing well, as as you know. Um, and uh, I think what's interesting about the fantasy leagues in general is something that uh, Keith brought up in the chat room, that even if you are a good player, for example, uh, year over year, because of the the random nature that that creeps into fantasy football drafts and injuries and um, you know player positions on the team, uh, there is that level of luck that Jess mentioned as well that prevents someone from just being the best every single year unless you're on a whole team, uh, sorry, a whole league full of fools. Uh, what we strive for yeah. is having a different result every year, which is indicative, in my opinion 
of uh, having a bunch of players on, on your fantasy league that are good at this. And so that's what you should always want. If you ever have a fantasy league where there's a, a guy who wins it five years in a row, you should break up that fantasy league. <laughs> because there's something going wrong. Unless you're that guy and then you keep going with that fantasy Just take league. everybody's money. <laughs> uh, one fun fact that I will mention, like I mentioned that I used um, Fantasy Pros and the Drink 5 rate rankings in tandem. Uh, one really cool sh- shameless self-promotion uh, for Drink 5 is when you go to those weekly rankings and you're looking at those players, next to each name is a little indicator and if you click on that little indicator it links to the player card information directly from uh fantasy pros yep, when which you're is looking super at cool dave's weekly rankings mm-hmm. next to every player's name and really anywhere not anywhere but on the rankings themselves it will show up where you can just look at tons of info and that is uh saves you courtesy some of flipping fantasy back pros. and forth powered so. by fantasy pros powered by sense. yes cheers Thank you for that, Jess. I think hey. it was it was super cool, and Thanks I'm so glad me, that you uh, tell you about my my process. I'm glad you've gotten into the don't fantasy football steal it. a bit. Oh yeah, you're going down now. If you like it, don't steal it. <laughs> we we play and host our leagues on a website called Flea Flicker, and we like Flea Flicker. Again, it's not a promotion because we're making money from them, but Flea Flicker, we're happy to talk. But the uh, the other thing that Flea Flicker has that some people aren't aware of is they actually do uh, like a celebrity fantasy thing from time to time. And I've always been interested, but never actually want to dive into that world. But I'm, I'm wondering if there's fantasy politics, if there's fantasy, all these other things. I'm sure that would be really, really difficult to play logistically, but it would be entertaining to experience that, I think, for, you know, for one season of fantasy politics, right? Um, probably uh, as mind-numbing as watching the election results come in. <laughs> So uh, let's talk about wide receivers, and just like the running backs earlier, uh, we're going to talk about the top 10 wide receivers as they are right now in Fantasy Points via half PPR, which is the way that we're just going about our business now. I'm going to try to be somewhat quick here, but I want to ask you guys, just like Jason did, for just a a sentence or, or two about how you feel about those players if you have something to say after I'm done with the little blurbs about them. So number one, Calvin Ridley. This is a guy uh, who has scored 126.6 fantasy points overall, with an average of 15.8 per fantasy game uh, over the course of the season. And his ADP, uh, as far as running backs, was 17. His ADP overall, 42. I'm sorry, uh, wide receivers. uh, 42. So he was drafted in the fifth round by most people drafting in the preseason, but he's the number one wide receiver uh, throughout all of the wideouts. Right? I, I want to just uh, take one moment here and apologize to Calvin Ridley for uh, causing him to be injured because I uh, I was given a lot of <laughs> uh, a lot of guff for drafting Calvin Ridley where I did at the very end of the fourth round of my draft. Uh, a, a person sitting across from me who will remain nameless told me that it was just an absolutely terrible pick. So before the game last Thursday, I said. How's that uh, trash talking going, guys? You know, my Calvin Ridley's number one overall. And then he got hurt right away. Yeah, so, it, was, it was probably about four minutes after that. I, I'm going to apologize personally to Calvin Ridley. I will have to send him some flowers. You know, that's what you get for for talking about a player during his game. Oh, my God. I, it's never backfired that quickly. And <laughs> <laughs> I hopefully that, never will again. Well, I think it backfired that one time we talked about Plaxico after the game. 
See, it's uh, my point of not having the time to pay attention to all of it. I didn't even know that he was, like, the number one ranked. In fact, like, he, yeah, I'm like, where is he on this ranking? Oh, because he's out injured. Got it. That's why he's not on the rankings anymore. Well, let's let's talk about it a little bit. So he had a midfoot sprain, is the injury Jason's talking about, in uh, the first half, at the end of the first half of the Week 8 matchup against the Panthers. And before that, he had managed to put up three receptions for 42 yards, which is a total of 5.7 fantasy points, with the exception of that game. And Week 4's ugly loss to the Packers, when he put up zero, which is the worst thing that a fantasy player can do besides fumble and then leave the game. Uh, he was working. Can go negative. He was working through a hamstring injury and was banged up in general uh, at that time. And he hasn't had a game this season under 14.2 fantasy points though. So Ridley, he didn't practice today. But the good news is he avoided a Liz Frank injury, which could have put him out for the rest of the season uh, and affected his his continued career. It's likely that he misses Week Nine. Uh, rides out the Falcons bye week, which is the following week 10, and comes back full strength in week 11 against the Saints. So that's what I'm projecting. He has 657 yards and six touchdowns through eight games, and he's outperforming even the best expectations from the beginning of the year. But losing him for two weeks now, in the next two weeks, is going to be very difficult, uh, like you said. Yeah, you, getting, a, getting a bad start from him last week and then losing him, yeah. So players like... Uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, that we're going to talk about in a second, uh, they've already had their bye weeks, and they're surely going to pass him in the rankings. He might even dip out uh, because of these two weeks uh, out of the top ten. It's, uh, it's you know very likely, in fact, in my opinion, that that happens. But uh, I think it's important to note that he is the number one guy right now, and even with uh, Julio Jones still playing well, Calvin Ridley is a badass receiver. Yeah, I mean, only 20 points separate the top wide receiver from the 10th wide receiver, which is usually, uh, usually we see a lot more of a separation between the top and the bottom. Mm -hmm. For example, at the running back position, there's a 68-point separation between number one and number 10. Um, DK Metcalf, uh, 126 fantasy points total, an average of 18 per game. When we look at Metcalf, he was drafted even later overall as a sixth-round pick, uh, and the wide receiver 23 in 2020 preseason drafts. I think he's just been a beast. Um, and in Week 8 against the 49ers, Metcalf was amazing. And Jess, I'll let you talk about him in a second because I know you have him on a fantasy team. But he had 12 receptions for 161 yards and two touchdowns. That kind of performance is something that doesn't happen but once in a blue moon. Was it a blue moon? It was close. Um, with Russell cooking out there on a weekly basis, Metcalf looks like the head waiter just serving up big plays right to that opposing defense. And to continue that metaphor, the bells are uh, the Bills are the next customers for this new hot downtown restaurant called the Seattle Seahawks. Did you love that? Did everyone love that? They're I, not gonna. They're not gonna like the taste in their mouth at the end. Though. I loved it, <laughs> but but watch out. Uh, for D DK Metcalf, and I don't think you even need to put up that kind of cautionary warning anymore because everyone is aware of this guy. He's only had fewer than 90 yards in a game once this season, and that was the previous week, week 7. And the only reason that was is because Tyler Lockett had 15 receptions for 200 yards that game, and even though Russell Wilson's the quarterback, there's simply not enough yards uh, when someone has 200 of them. That's true. 
So we're going to let DK off the hook for that one. But going forward, I don't think it really matters who he draws in coverage, what the game script is. He's shown that he is one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game at this point. Uh, and hopefully he can continue that for the next couple of years. But he's making an argument here for WR1 overall this season. And I think he can, uh, I think he can firmly sit in that position uh, if he continues doing what he's doing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience with uh, DK. And then we'll move on to three. You know, I don't have a lot to say. He's, he's fun to support. Um, he's consistent in his, you know, points for my team. Uh, as a fantasy football manager, that's what you want to see. Now, I don't know, you might have s- said this already. Uh, what the heck happened in week seven with his 3.3 points? Oh, well. But then he came back for a whopping 34 in week eight. The answer is Tyler Lockett happened. Tyler Lockett had oh. Tyler Lockett had 46 points that week. He had 200 yards and 15 what? receptions. Yeah, Tyler Lockett went insane. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that was the game where DK was still fun to watch because Russell Wilson threw an interception that almost went the length of the field for a touchdown. But DK chased the guy down and tackled him. And yes! then the Seahawks wound up stopping them, and they did not score any points on that position. The headline after that, uh, the guy that he, he ran down, was, how did he catch my ass? <laughs> well, because he's fast as hell. So if we can digress for just a second, there is another question from the chat room. Um, do we think that Lindsay, uh, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon can both be started they are both on the Broncos. They play the Falcons this week. Um, the Falcons are giving up the ninth fewest points to opposing running backs. Now, I would say no. However, just last week, the Chargers did have two running backs get into the double digits. So normally in this position, I'm going to say you need to pick a guy. And that guy is probably Melvin Gordon. Yeah, Melvin Gordon's going to have more goal line opportunities. Lindsey did break off, if I remember correctly, something like a 55-yard run or a touchdown run uh, last week. Oh, wait, I'm looking at the wrong team. Which was really great. So, I mean, congratulations to Lindsey because he hadn't really performed at a high level. And then he got injured. Uh, Just coming back from injury now, it looks like he's ready to break into that uh, uh, old Philip Lindsay, but the problem is he doesn't get presented with the opportunities that Gordon does on a regular basis when Gordon is healthy. If both of them are healthy right now, I think the 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 confident, uh, albeit conservative, start is always going to be Melvin Gordon for some of the reasons that Jason suggested. Uh, the highest uh, of importance being that the Denver Broncos don't have enough. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I gave the wrong defensive uh, numbers. Oh, that's fine. They, they, <laughs> they don't have enough uh, touches uh, on the running back side uh, to go around to make them both viable on an every week basis. Yeah. I, what, what I should have said is that Atlanta is giving up the 11th fewest points to opposing running backs. There you go. We don't care in this situation how good Denver is against opposing running backs. Well, I think in general you have Lindsay is more of a boomer bust while Gordon is more consistent. But they haven't played with each other a whole lot this year because there's been injuries on both of those uh both those guys. But I do agree with what you said originally, which is just not enough touches to go around on that offense uh, right now for those two players to both be uh, great for your team. So if Denver doesn't do well in that game, then are you willing to accept that you have two players in your starting lineup that are both going to do poorly? Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's my Friday. I took off Thursday and, and Friday this week, so let's uh, have another peanut butter so show. So it's another podcast where we get Dave drunk. Oh, come on. Uh, going to have to try harder than that. So let's 
we have to bring down the hard stuff. What's the peanut butter whiskey? Let's talk about Tyreek Hill. Okay, uh, 124.6 fantasy points, averaging 15.6 per game. Tyreek Hill is someone that was drafted high to begin with. In fact, he was drafted in the exact position where he ends up. Wide receiver three was where he was drafted via ADP. Now, this ADP is specific to Yahoo and fan tracks. It's not all of the uh, hosting services that provide drafting services, but it is a, a multiple source ADP that we get from Fantasy Pros. And, and it's half point leagues. And half point PPR. So we trust it to be within you know a margin of error of what we're looking for. Uh, so he was drafted in the first round or early second round in 10-team drafts every single time, and that was a good place for him to go. His only performance below 13 fantasy points came in week six where he had three receptions for 20 yards and a carry for five. But if we look at why, uh, Mahomes only had 26 uh, passing attempts that game, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who we talked about earlier, logged 161 rushing yards in that same game. So game script, obviously, was not uh, favoring the, uh, the wide receivers in that matchup. It's interesting to note to me that Hill has not yet had over 100 receiving yards this season, but he has been just a few yards away twice now, comparing his stats to past years, 2016 to 2019, which is not the whole time he's been uh, in the NFL, but the whole time he's been productive in the NFL. Uh, usage by the Chiefs reveals that Hill has become much more consistent. He was a boomer bus player. He was a player that would get 20 points and then two every single week back and forth. That's the kind of player he used to be. This uh, particular year, his position in the offense has been more solidified than ever in the past, uh, more consistent than ever in the past, and that's great to see from a fantasy perspective. It has also been nice that we haven't heard anything about off-the-field news from Hill since he has been involved in a lot of that, and it has been an issue in the past. I think there's nothing at all, when I look at Roto World, for example, for blurbs about Tyreek Hill, there's only one thing about what he did that week, every week, and there's nothing <laughs> else. You're not getting injury reports, there's nothing, it's great. So what I want to hear about Tyreek Hill is nothing except for uh, him doing well for my fantasy team because the moment news comes out about him, I'm saying it's like a 50% chance it's going to be uh, not, not, uh, not very great news. Sure. <laughs> well, just looking at his past. But lock and load, Tyreek Hill, number three, drafted number three. What's better than that? Eight touchdowns in eight weeks. you got to leave that. Consistency. I don't have him on any squads, but I think you do, right? I do, yes. I believe I have him on the Drink 5 team. There you go. That's why he's number three. Yes. He's going to uh, do his best to help beat Jessica this week. Uh, let's chat about Tyler Lockett, 124 fantasy points as number four, averaging 17.7 per game. With the true every-week emergence of DK Metcalf as a WR1 in the Seahawks offense, Lockett has had some games without enough targets and focus to be fantasy-relevant. So four, five, and five targets in weeks four, five, and eight, respectively, netted Lock an average of 5.5 fantasy points per game over those three contests. And what we talk about often is if you can have that consistency or if you are a boomer bust guy, uh, like we just said earlier when talking about running backs, do you, do you want to pay attention to who you're drafting? Those guys that are boomer bust, those guys that have a consistent floor. Some people do, so it's something to pay attention to if you're interested in, in that. Um, the big question uh, really is, uh, is he scoring points on a, on a, a basis of, uh, uh, of games that is higher than games where he is disappointing? And the answer is yes. Uh, right now, 
he has no problem showing up in the offense when he's purposely involved. So uh, <laughs> an average of 26.85 fantasy points and 12 targets over the other four games, weeks one, two, three, and seven. How do you predict if he's going to be a guy that gets the, the targets and the points uh, against week nine at Buffalo in this case? Is it a Lockett week? Is it a DK Metcalf week? The answer is you don't predict it. Metcalf is more consistent based on how this year has been going on. Lockett will have weeks to disappoint. That's just what is going on right now. But if you have both, you must start both. If you have Lockett, you must start Lockett. Wilson is capable of supporting both receivers, but I think we'll continue to see games on occasion from Lockett where he takes a step back and he disappoints. When you look at Lockett and where he was drafted, though, he's the number four overall right now for wide receivers, and he was drafted in the fifth round as the 19th wide receiver. So he's outperforming expectations, but delivering pockets of disappointment. It's, uh, I'm trying to think of a food item that's, that's kind of like that. Maybe a, like a oh, pizza pockets. puff. Little pockets of disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> like when, you, when you're when you at like a, kind of a crappy burger joint and they <laughs> sell pizza pockets and you're like, oh, that sounds good. And you get it and it's just not. Or, or some of it's good, but then you bite into a side and like it's cold and like it's still frozen. Oh. And you're like, man, that, that, that front bite was good. But well, oh. you only have, as Jim Gaffigan will tell you, there's only two temperatures you can have. Molten hot lava and freezing ice cold. Thank you, Jim. Uh, I think the best outcome for Lockett owners then, personally, is to sell Lockett as soon as he has an, another 25-30 point performance, which might be this week, according to uh, uh, the pattern that has developed of sort of like a uh, half Lockett, half Metcalf situation. So if, if Lockett does well in, the, in a week that's upcoming and it's before the trade deadline and, and your league, sell him. Why not? What do you have to lose? Maybe you'll gain some consistency. What's your opinion? I kind of like that idea of selling Tyler Lockett, especially selling him high. I mean, I think that um, because of the 45-point game, you'll be able to sell him at a reasonable amount anyways. You know, the thing about Lockett is that he's won you two games, he's contributed in two games, and he has not helped you at all in three games. Right, exactly. So that's a bit too much variation for my liking. Um, when you're comparing him directly to DK Metcalf, there's only one disappointing game out of Metcalf. You, you could argue, I guess, that maybe he's coming on now when sort of the offense is, is being more cohesive and with the injuries to running backs on that team, maybe they'll depend more on the wide receivers. But all that's conjecture. Uh, as long as they let Russ cook, both of those guys have a pr- possibility for a huge game. Yep. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, 114.9 fantasy points, averaging 16.4 per game. We talk about the fantasy production pitfalls of high-profile players all the time when they get traded to another team. So it's another culture, another scheme, different plays, different coach. Uh, It doesn't always work out for the best. And when a a big player gets traded, in fact, sometimes he doesn't perform very well until he's been there for half a season, a whole season. Maybe it doesn't work at all. But it doesn't seem like in Hopkins' case that the growing pains in Arizona ever really showed up. If we look at uh, out of the gate, week one, his performance, 22.1 fantasy points by way of 14 receptions and 151 yards. New toy, that second-year quarterback who doesn't play like one, Kyler Murray, is not going to shy away from utilizing every day, all day, all the time. Yeah, I feel like quietly Hopkins has put together all these numbers because he doesn't have any, I mean, 22.1 is his ceiling so far this year. He's done it twice. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so it's not like he's had the crazy flashy games that Metcalf and Lockett have had, 
Uh, so it doesn't stand out as much to me. It hasn't. Um, well, but, it doesn't stand out because Hopkins has been a top five receiver for his entire career almost. That's it's a good point. You, <laughs> you, you've come to expect you this expect from him. You expect it, exactly. And he's doing what you would expect. So he's a little below, right, where he was drafted? Or is he right on time? Nope, he drafted, right on target. drafted at five, is five. So it's what you would expect. But it makes sense what your criticism is because... Uh, you would think that Hopkins drafted so high should be uh, performing at a super high level. But in fact, he really is. It's just that he's not outperforming, and so it doesn't stand out to you, I think. It, like Mr. Edward Zelaire. <laughs> he's had two weeks with lower than 16.8 fantasy points. So while you say that uh, 22 may be his ceiling, uh, 16 is his floor, basically. He has a high floor and a low <laughs> ceiling. So he's basically... Um, Floor, what is it, seven and a half from being John Malkovich? Yes. <laughs> I'd be spit on the highway anytime now. But but even though those weeks uh, uh, were a little bit lower, he had nine and eight targets respectively in weeks four and six. And so that's awesome. It just shows that uh, Kyler's going to target him every single game. It's likely that DeAndre Hopkins has 100 yards and a touchdown every single game. Yeah, seven targets is his low. Uh, and that week he had 131 yards and a touchdown. So... <laughs> He made the most out of his uh, least targeted week. Yep. Let's go with uh, Stefan Diggs, 114.5 fantasy points, averaging 14.3 per game. We're out of the top five now, but Diggs is one of the most consistent receivers so far this year, still averaging at least 12 fantasy points and 11 targets over the past four weeks. And that's even though his quarterback, Josh Allen, has been in a little bit of a slump. Josh Allen scoring 18.32 fantasy points or less over the last four games and only averaging one passing touchdown per matchup. But regardless of that, he's still getting at least 12 fantasy points and 11 targets over those four weeks. So it's clear to me that although that's not exciting and uh, surprising and, and overly helpful for fantasy owners, he is not going to be a guy that you remove from your lineups, even if the quarterback or, or the play calling is not working out well. That's great. Yeah, I don't think you have to worry about the quarterback there either. I think that Josh Allen will be just fine. Well, again, he's, he's been under 20 for four weeks, which is a little rough for Allen and what his uh, uh, consistency was before that. Yeah. Um, but uh, regardless of whether or not Allen finishes the season on a high note, uh, Diggs will still be in every week WR2 at the very least with that 12, 13 point floor that he has. Um, and I think that PPR leagues, he's an excellent, excellent uh, uh, player because he's averaging more than six receptions per game. So while we're seeing him dip a little bit in statistics, and again, I think that's because of Allen and the matchups that they're having, um, it could be someone to try to buy. Uh, from from other players right now, if they're thinking that Stefan Diggs is not performing up to expectations, your thoughts on Diggs? So, my thought on your top ten list overall is that apparently I spent uh, the majority of my first couple rounds looking at um, uh, running backs. You're like, who, who are these wide receivers? Why are they other people? Uh, of this whole list, I think DK Metcalf is the only one I have. And he, but he is on both of my leagues. You know, I got him for both of them, that's, so that's, that's something. A good get. <laughs> well, well, real quickly, the reason why you know you may not have been uh, so familiar with them is Diggs, for example, was a seventh round pick overall. Uh, he's so at he's, number six right now, but really he was the twenty seventh wide receiver overall. When we talk about preseason drafting, yeah, that's just, impressive. Just like DeAndre Hopkins, Diggs is on a new team, so you weren't sure what he would do. Mm-hmm. I think if he was still in Minnesota, he would have been picked higher. 
That, yep. That's probably 100% true. They always yeah. get a little And bit he's really later. doing exactly what he did on Minnesota. I mean, I think there were a lot of in, players. In fact, he's a bit more consistent. Yeah, there were a lot Minnesota. of players that I hesitated to pick up because of, you know, season changes, like off-season changes. A change of seasons, would you say? <laughs> <laughs> off-season changes. In uh, Houston, they say that? Yeah, moving them to different teams and whatnot. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably one of those that I was like, eh, I don't know if I can trust him on this new team yet or not. I, I felt the same way about him. I did not draft him anywhere. Although I do have uh, some of these other guys, well, like Ridley d- and Hill and Hopkins. If you did draft okay. Diggs, you're doing really well because that's a seventh-round pick who's number six overall, so congratulations. He gets an A+. Plus. Uh, but that's one of those guys. He does. When we look at the wide receivers, I feel like there's a little bit more of that variability of those guys that were drafted later. And I think we've talked about this preseason and, and afterwards that wide receivers are a little bit more of that in general. Is that you, they're, they're a little deeper, their their value can change depending on uh, injuries a little bit more. Um, but uh, that's something to touch on later this season. Yeah, and we don't really get that like top-heaviness at the wide receiver position that you do at the running back position. Yeah, we have a couple of wide receivers here. Uh, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, who I'll touch on next, and Allen Robinson, who's really an 11, but he's so close to being in the top 10 that we include him in, in the chart that will be up on the site. Uh, all those guys were drafted as top 10 wide receivers, and they basically are top 10 wide receivers. So there's four that have made it. But the other guys, uh, with the exception of Adam Thielen, who was 11, so pretty close, are a little bit farther out. Uh, so to see them in that top 10 is, is really great. Uh, let's talk about Devontae Adams. 113.7 fantasy points, averaging 22.7 per game. He, like I mentioned, he was drafted as the number two wide receiver overall. He's currently the number seven wide receiver overall, but if you listen to what I have to say, uh, I, I'm probably projecting him personally as, as maybe the number one overall very soon. You definitely have him ranked as number one for week nine. I rank him number one every week that he plays with Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. And, and I'll tell you why. So... If not for sitting out for two weeks with a hamstring injury that he suffered in Week Two's game against the Lions, he would be topping this list, no problem. Rodgers has set the league on fire once again with his passing prowess after a disappointing 2019 season, and Adams just happens to be his very favorite target. And not to mention, the only receiver of any actual note on the entire Packers football team. I keep incorrectly thinking... There's a rumor thinking. out there that Alan Lazard will be back tomorrow night. He's still not a receiver of note. <laughs> well, especially after last year, I keep thinking that Aaron Rodgers is done. Why? He's an old man. He's washed up. But no. apparently I keep being proven wrong. He's got some years <laughs> left in him. But uh, Devontae has averaged more than 24 points and 12-plus targets every game since he returned from injury in Week 6. He already had his bye week. He looks healthy. And he'll no doubt be the top receiver, like I mentioned earlier, on our Drink 5 rankings Every single week that he plays with Aaron Rodgers. And and I know Jason's a little <laughs> sad because he did trade him away in a recent transaction. And to trade Devontae Adams away is kind of like giving someone your, your melted cookie brownie ice cream sundae. I thought I was getting like an amazing like filet mignon in return. <laughs> or at least I was... It, it was like a mystery box that hopefully... Contained a filet mignon. He was at least hoping for a village tavern chicken finger. Instead, it was a sad pizza puff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Tyler Boyd, 107.84 fantasy points, averaging 13.5 per game. Tyler Boyd was uh, drafted in the eighth 
round. So here we get to uh, one of those guys, uh, the guy, in fact, that is the best performing wide receiver when we look at the variability between their ADP and their current status. Bengals receiver not named A.J. Green, who you don't really expect to be in the top 10 receivers ever, but hey, A.J. Green it had to be his time to move on and pass the torch to somebody else. Uh, it makes sense that that happens uh, along with, in parallel to, uh, the crowning of a new wide receiver there, uh, and, and that's Joe Burrow. And so we have Boyd, actually ranked as the WR23 in 2019, not too shabby. We saw during that season that he was sporadically putting up big numbers, but also having very unsuccessful games. And so with the exception this year of weeks one and five, where he put up uh, five and six fantasy points, respectively, he has not scored under 10 fantasy points and has averaged eight-plus targets per game. So the up arrow just ticks in that direction and no others. And uh, I think that Green, although he still is going to occasionally suck up targets, and we have T. Higgins, who's a rookie who's been doing so well with Burrow, uh, Tyler Boyd is clearly... Uh, at least this year, the WR1 on that team. Do you and, rank him above T. Higgins still? I know they're on by this week, so we don't have this week to reference, but do you generally rank him Boyd above Higgins? Uh, Boyd has been doing better this season than Higgins, and Higgins is a rookie. And, and so in, on a regular basis, I will rank Boyd above Higgins. Correct. I think Higgins is a better... I've been starting Tyler Boyd pretty much every week. Yeah, he's been great, right? Yeah. I think Higgins is great uh, for deep leagues and great uh, for dynasty leagues and great going forward, but Boyd is clearly the go-to receiver on that team right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine, Adam Thielen, 107.2 fantasy points, averaging 15.3 per game. He's been a roller coaster this year, and I own him a couple places. My stomach is a little queasy getting on and off the ride. Uh, but it's entirely because of Kirk Cousins who owns the theme park. And this is uh, more a metaphor from me, but here we go. That offense can put up tons of passing yards and points, but often decides uh, unapologetically, in fact, and I get it, I get it, I understand, to just hand the ball off to Delvin Cook. Uh, You can't be mad when your receiver receives a 25% share of all the targets that his quarterback has to offer. Well, well, we're currently seeing Thielen. We're currently seeing Thielen on a downward trend after an upward trend. The downward trend now is 24.8, 12.6 and 4.2. The upward trend was similar. Uh, so this is literally just peaks and valleys for Thielen, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings team in the passing game. As you say a roller coaster. It is difficult to trust Cousins and the Vikings offense in general on a week-to-week basis when we're talking about let's go passing. So Thielen is another candidate for me to sell high. Just wait a little bit, because in two weeks he'll be on the top peak of the roller coaster. <laughs> uh, I think that we know that you'll be slotting him in the lineup right now, but if this roller coaster is a trend, he'll be scoring about 10 to 14 fantasy points this coming week, and then we'll know that the following week he'll be scoring about 18 to 22. Okay. So when you get up to the top, instead of going down with Thielen, send him to somebody else. <laughs> Sell him. Sell him high. You know what I think is interesting about the the whole like buy and sell philosophy and the talks that we have about that is that we talk about it and half the time or more we're right, but people hardly ever do it. I never do. I have like, not made a trade. Well, did you since sell him high? My no. very first year when I won the league, and I'm like, 
is this the thing I need to do in order to win? I need to make a trade. But here's the Sometimes. thing: you don't you know? have superstitions. To trade. You yeah. don't. You never have to I trade. I know you don't have to, but, but if you've got a good guy that you sit on your bench, bench week to week, right? Trading is the only way that you can trade uh, someone who is not helping for someone who helps. For me, it's a superstition. <laughs> I, I, the only trade I've ever done was year one. The only league I've ever won. Actually, so maybe won. if you make a trade again, you'll win the league. That's what I'm saying. Your superstition is like wear the yellow socks, stand upside down during uh, football Turn around games, three times and spit. Yeah. And then don't trade I anybody. I mean, Scott wanted me to trade uh, Justin Tucker to him. Uh, I just couldn't do it. And you're not going to win guy. this year because of that. We're, we're going to do <laughs> my, it. With my seven and one. We're going to have to do a, a, a podcast later just all about uh, Justin Tucker and the highest Oh, you mean tickers. Justin Tucker? Yes, the most yeah. valuable performer That's right. of the talent show. Well, let me finish up. Robert <laughs> Robert Woods, 106.8 fantasy points, number 10, average 13.4, uh, coming off a great game against Miami with 24.9 fantasy points. Robert Woods. Now, let's let's think about Robert Woods, uh, whose ADP overall was in the sixth round, uh, 24th wide receiver. He's currently number 10. Now, what do we call Robert Woods, guys? Bobby, Bobby Trees. That's right. Bobby <laughs> Trees. So, <laughs> obviously, the further we go down the list, the greater variability there will be for the most part. But, but Bobby Trees is obviously an every week starter and having a great season. Uh, Jason, I know you have a lot to say about Bobby Trees, so what is what is your opinion on him? <laughs> um, I, you know, two years in a row, he's a guy who was drafted low and is like a top 10 receiver. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it seems that they really like him in Los Angeles, that they want to use him as the primary guy, um, you know, despite having Cooper Cup and some other good talent there right. uh, on that side. What I like about him is that they give him touches in the run game. You know, uh, only three times this year does he have one or none uh, rushing attempts. Other than that, he has multiple rushing attempts in every single game. They're trying to get the ball in his hand. He has two rushing touchdowns. He has four receiving touchdowns. Um, the guy is going to score you fantasy points. I love that. Um, and there aren't, it. you know, th- this wide receiver class is not top-heavy at all. It, it could. I know it won't happen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that at the end of the year, after 16 weeks, that is a, 10 different guys uh, in the top 10 because they're not separating themselves from the pack. And Robert Woods is always able to sort of keep pace with some of the best players in the league. Well, I certainly I don't think that that's going to be the case. I, I, say, I don't think it is, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. But we'll have to check back on that because I do think that we'll have guys rotate out because of injury or, or uh, permanence in their in their positions and in, uh, in depth. Um, honorable mentions. Also, did you have something to add? No, I'm just looking at um, you know on this particular league where I also have him. Um, Bobby Trees. Yep, Bobby Trees. Uh, <laughs> his 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 points that you know he's been getting for mm-hmm. me. Uh, and originally I was gonna say you know he's up and down and up and down, but at the end of the day, there's only two weeks where he's less than eleven points, and one of them is nine point eight, which could almost be considered ten points. So his one bad week uh, was week seven against uh, Chicago. Is actually. that when you started him? I always start him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's an every week guy for me. Yeah, uh, five point five points was his uh, worst game. Everything else, with the ex- exception of that nine point eight points, uh, has been eleven or above. You know, seventeen, seventeen, twenty-one, twenty-eight last week. Like he's start him every time, regardless. Yeah, in a, in a full point in a full PPR league, these guys stand out even more. Yeah, it's wonderful. 
Yeah, um, I, I agree. Well, honorable mention also above 100 total fantasy points uh, for the season. Allen Robinson at 106 fantasy points. So right up there with those guys, uh, right next to Robert Woods at 106.8. He averages 13.2 per game. He was uh, drafted as a third-round guy who is number nine overall. He's currently number 11. Uh, Chicago has had so many issues with their quarterbacks and, and their play calling and their offense in general. But Allen Robinson has always been the best player on that offense and will continue to be as long as he's a bear. Yeah, he definitely is the best player on that offense. He should just throw the ball. not even close. He should throw the ball to himself, I feel like, because it would be better than Foles or Trubisky. Yeah. But unfortunately, there's only one. Allen Robinson, only two hands. Uh, This is what we got. Uh, Robbie Anderson, 100.7, 12.6 fantasy points per game, and Amari Cooper at 100.1, 12.5 fantasy points per game. Everybody else is below that 100 number. As Jason said, we haven't pulled away. Uh, But for wide receivers, for example, I rank 120 wide receivers every single week. Uh, And we do that because wide receivers are the most played in all fantasy leagues. Most fantasy leagues have three wide receiver spots. Some have flex. Some have a super flex. You could play five wide receivers. I mean, there's at least three relevant wide receivers uh, to consider on every team. That's 96 right there. It's a lot of wide receivers. If you go to 120, that's four per team. It's the it's not the, even four per team. Definitely the most plentiful uh, fantasy resource that's out there. Definitely. And so that's why we think that there, that there might be less separation. But I guarantee you that by the end of the season, there will be uh, a couple guys, at least the top five, that have created a little shelf for themselves. Sure. I totally concur. As Jason said, uh, I think it's important uh, for for you if you're listening uh, on this broadcast and you've gotten through an hour and a half with us uh, in enjoying our, our presence and the fantasy knowledge that we have, please do subscribe uh, and, and like and thumbs up this particular video because it will help us out. And uh, we do have a podcast, which is this same thing, and I have neglected to put those links in our uh, YouTube descriptions. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that going forward. But the podcast is the thing that uh, that started the YouTube stream, not the other way around. Oh, yes. We did uh, hundreds and hundreds of podcasts before uh, you ever got to see our faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, please uh, subscribe, follow us on Twitter, ask us questions throughout the week, uh, interact with Jess on follow our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> right. What are we on Instagram? Just at, at Drink 5. At, at Drink 5. Very nice. All right, cheers, everybody. Thanks for coming. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers.